It's good to see you all. It's good to be back uh, from our uh, vacation where we went to an exotic location, the greatest city in America. That's what it says on every park bench in Baltimore. Uh, It does say that, but that's where our daughter was, and it was good to get away and and be with her uh, before she took off to uh, uh, Kenya, Africa. For a little while and that's probably where she'll be doing an internship later as well uh, as we get ready this morning let's go ahead and turn to uh, and refresh ourselves in exodus chapter 3 if you would exodus chapter 3 we'll begin in verse 4 when the lord saw that he had gone over to look This is speaking about Moses. God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer. God said, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. After this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites. And now the cry of Israelites have reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Howard Hendricks, uh, of a famous uh, professor and from long ago, uh, tells a story about Bud Wilkinson, former football coach at the University of Oklahoma. It seems that Bud was in Dallas for a series of lectures. This would have been years maybe back in the 60s. I'm not exactly sure the exact date, but he was being interviewed about the president's physical fitness program. And he was asked, Mr. Wilkinson, what would you say is the contribution of modern football to physical fitness? The reporter expected a a lengthy speech as if he had been waiting for 30 years for this question. Wilkinson said, absolutely nothing. The young reporter stared and squirmed and finally stuttered, would you care to elaborate on that? Wilkinson said, and here's what he said, well, yes, I'm on, sorry, he said, Certainly, I define football as 22 men on the field who desperately need rest and 50,000 people in the stands who desperately need exercise. (laughs) Football has done nothing to help exercise because everybody is in the stands, right? When Howard Hendricks heard this, he said, I thought to myself, what a definition of the church. A few compulsively active people run around the field while the mass of the people are resting in the stands. But that's not according to the Word of God. 
And in this series that we've been in, to step up and serve, we've talked about how the church is not a spectator sport. In fact, the only people, so to speak, who are in the stands in God's kingdom are those who are already dead. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. Though that's who's there. There are no fans in the stands. Jesus is looking for followers on the field who will step up and serve, get in the game. And I realize the analogy, if you take it out, you say, well, you know, there's only so many people that can fit on the field at one time. Yes, that is true, but that is no reason to just sit on the bench because there are hundreds of people on the sidelines that are needed to bring about this whole thing that takes place on that game and that day. In fact, there are people back in the locker room that are working and moving and helping this team to get to the place where they can win that game. In fact, not just that day, but all throughout the week, there have been hundreds of others who are a part of this whole team effort to get to that Sunday game, to get the win. We need to understand there's so much more that we can be doing if we would just get in the game. You can make a difference in the part that God has for you. And in fact, in many ways, that's what God is saying to Moses here as you look at verse 9 and 10 again. In verse 9 Uh, And now the cry of the Israelites, God is saying, Now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, Moses, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Get in the game, Moses. You, you are going to be the one to make a difference. Go and make a difference here, Moses. And it would be nice if the message could... And in the message of the word, and our message could just stop there. We could say, you can make a difference. Go! Yeah! Except uh, Moses, just like so many of us do at times, responds, but Moses said in verse 11, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who? who not just who me, but who am I? I, I am nothing. I am not enough. Not me. I can't make a difference. Have you ever thought that? I can't make a difference. What can I do? I I am not enough. In so many ways. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm, I'm just not in very fact of who I am is not enough. And God comes against that whole excuses with a counter-argument to Moses and to us today. No matter what the excuse is, God just keeps coming back. I want you to go and make a difference. What do we got to do to do that? Unfortunately, one of the things we need to do to do that is to stop believing the excuse that who I am is not enough. Stop believing that excuse excuse whether it's yours or of the devil it doesn't matter that who i am is not enough you feel like there's nothing special about us that there's nothing that we could ever accomplish that's special in fact even to the point where i am not good enough as a person even to make a difference there are probably some people here today that feel that way about themselves i am not good enough to be used by god just look at me How could I ever make a difference? 
And that's the problem, is we are looking at ourselves on the outside like the world does. And yet, what we see in 1 Samuel 16, where God goes looking for a king, goes looking for that next king into David's family, and all his brothers are lined up there. And as each of those brothers come in, the prophet's like, oh man, that guy, that, he's the bomb, you know? Hey, this guy is the man. He look at it. He's big. He looks strong. He looks confident. Yeah, okay, that's the one. And guys, like, in verse 7 of 1 Samuel 16, But the Lord said to Samuel about that brother and about the other brothers, Do not look on his appearance or his height or his stature because I have rejected him. The Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. In fact, the Lord chose this ruddy, scrawny shepherd boy to be the king of a mighty nation. Don't say, I am not enough. Because it's not about that. Look, it's, That's not how God looks at it, how other people may look at you, how even when you look in the mirror, you look at yourself. That does not matter. What matters is how God looks at you. This whole excuses of why I'm not enough can sometimes deal with even with where Moses is at. You're thinking about, here's Moses being asked to be the deliverer of Israel out of a supreme power in the world at that time in Egypt. Who would have, if they were in Moses' shoes, said, I am not enough. Not just I'm not enough, but I'm not young enough to take this on. I'm not young enough. Or in other words, I'm too old. And while it's true as we get older, we do not feel as strong, as sharp, as able-bodied as we used to be. Nonetheless, we need to watch that as we get older, we do not fall under a worldly influence that says that this life, this life here is all that there is. And so you need to just make sure you get to that point where later in life you got to think about yourself you need to think about what you want because you've already done your part you've already taken your turn and so what we see is people just in churches just sitting on a bench waiting for the bus from heaven to come and pick them up that is not god's plan i know i'm just sitting someday god will come and take me I can wait, you know. In fact, if you think about it, in other countries, they don't even think that way. In some of these other countries, in third world countries, they're not thinking, oh, I'm just going to just take a break and I don't have to. And they don't think that way as, as you get older in the sense of even Moses here. Moses is called to make a difference and he begins his time to make a difference that will change the world forever at the age of 80. What happened to those believers years ago? And not just years ago, a generation or so ago. Because I've been alive long enough to have met some of these when I was younger. 
uh, believers a generation or so ago who took seriously their role to be a part of the body of Christ, to serve the Lord with all that they had. Church was something they were. It was not something they went to. A servant was who they were, not a hobby they picked up if they had time and interest. For so many of them in those days, and it wasn't that long ago, for so many of them, their work for the Lord was the main thing they did with their life. Yes, they had a job. Yes, they had a job that they had to go through, go to. But that job was merely, in their mind, a means to support their work for the Lord as they stepped up and served Him wholeheartedly, investing all that they had to build up the kingdom of God, not distracted by so many of these other things in life that we have just accepted as excuses of why we can't serve the Lord and what we got to do. It wasn't that long ago. There was a whole different mindset. So what has changed? Was theirs wrong and we've just finally come and become enlightened? Or have we been corrupted by the world and the way it thinks? They weren't talking about how busy they were or how they didn't have enough time. But when you go back to that past generation, life was not easier then. Life was in some ways more difficult in what they had to do and how they had to do it. Plus, they didn't have all the kind of time savers that we have today. There was not fast food and, and microwave items and things like that. There wasn't a store just down the street you could go and get something. You had to make it yourself. And there was not an app for this or that, right? It didn't exist. We need to stop the excuses that everyone else is using today that our grandparents did not use. And to make a difference. We're waiting for, I know Fran talked about that, somebody, everybody, anybody, nobody. We're waiting for nobody to make a difference. We are each a part of the body. We have each have a place in the body. No matter what your age And maybe you're not able to be the same part, so to speak, that you were when you were younger. But you have not been taken out of the body of Christ until you are taken out of your physical body. Are you with me? I realize in America that there are times that the valuing of youth culture is placed above those who are older. It can be hurtful and not helpful at times. You can even see that in the way churches go as they search for a new pastor. They're looking for one who is young and exciting. You got one out of two. (laughs) And I know there's going to be a smart aleck right out there that's thinking, are you going to come up? Pastor, I didn't know you were so young. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. So I already got beat you to it. Think about it. What I'm getting at is that sometimes... We're older, we can feel like you're being pushed out. And yet the reality is sometimes that's not really what's happening. It's not an outward struggle that's happening. We're just not willing to admit that it's an inward struggle that's happening. An inward struggle of, uh, of that we don't want to stop doing what we've been doing, that, that we don't want to admit that we're older, that we, we get negative. Uh, these are the good things I used to enjoy doing. And, and, and now I can't do them, so I don't want to do anything. I'm not enough. I'm not enough because I can't do what I was doing. 
But God who made you knows our frame. He knows what happens. He knows how we are. He knows that you love serving in the nursery, but you can't get down on the floor anymore, let alone pick up a child and carry around safely. He understands that. But that doesn't mean that he's saying, hey, you're retired now. It's okay. He does not say, well done until we are done. There are still things that we can do. Perhaps things that we have not done in the past. You can still make a difference. Following the biblical pattern of passing the baton on to someone else. Make a difference in that way from old to younger. Stop the excuses. Stop the the thinking that, sure, I could probably do something, but you know what? If I did that, it wouldn't be as... It just wouldn't seem right because it's not going to be as important. It's not going to be as significant like I used to do in church. I don't want to go backwards. I don't want to just be some simple servant doing some small little task. If so, then you've missed it all along. You've missed what it means to just be a humble servant like Jesus. There are no small tasks. There are no less important parts of the body 1 Corinthians 12, verse 23 and 25 talk about that. Every part of the body works together. Every part is needed. You have one little cog that's missed, tiny little thing that's missing somewhere. It breaks down the whole machine. You may feel like that tiny cog, but if you're not operating, it makes a difference in the opposite way. I've mentioned before about Psalm 84, verse 10, last time I was here, how I'd rather be a doorkeeper in God's house. If I could just be a doorkeeper in God's house, the lowest job for God is the highest calling. And even as we think about doorkeeper ministries, it doesn't take much to recognize that there are those, even within our midst, that are in doorkeeper ministries that are making a difference. Those who are the greeters, those who are the ushers. There are those there, and there is a place to be a part in those ministries. Oh, those ministries who are the first line of love, so to speak, that people see when when they come in here after a week that who knows what's happened, and nobody has smiled at them, nobody has treated them with any kind of love. The first line are those who are greeting them as they come in the door. In fact, the first line are those who are greeting those persons who for the first time in years have come to a church and they're like, ah, you don't, if you haven't been there, you don't realize how hard that is to walk in those doors. We need to be there. And maybe even at Easter, maybe we need to have some out in the parking lot just to help to know where or what and, and to usher them in. That's what's going on. In fact, I just ask for a moment. For those of you who have are involved in some kind of ministry, formal, informal, on a Sunday morning here, uh, and not just today, but let's say over the last few months, if you have been involved in any way, would you just stand up right now? I'm talking about ushers. I'm talking about music. I'm talking about... Uh, Uh, worship, greeting, nursery, children's church. You make coffee. You took out the sign, some simple servant task. Somebody put the clock back up this morning, you know. You you don't even think about all these kind of things. Any kind of way that you were involved in some way is to to stand. Now look, look at all these people are part of making a difference here. 
I'm not necessarily saying that all of us have to be standing because we all have different places. You can be seated. Thank you. I just want to say to all of those who, who stood, thank you. Thank you for what you did. Thank you for making a difference. It does make a difference to others. As you hear people talk about what takes place here, as you hear those who are new and how they have felt, how they have sensed as they've been a part here, that uh, make a difference. I, I've had conversations with those who are shut in. And, uh, you know, when we talk about shut in, those who can't make it out. I mean, they might make it to a doctor's appointment, but they are not capable of, of getting around and making it out to a church service anymore. And you know what? They feel like, I can't do anything. I can't do what I did. They feel useless. In fact, there's a number that have even said to me, Pastor, why am I still here? Why? Why doesn't God just take me? I remember one lady having that conversation with, and it was pretty obvious why God wasn't going to take her, and you looked at her family and the mess that they were in and that she was praying for every day. And I fear for what is going to happen to some of our families and even our church families when these older saints who have been praying and grabbing a hold of the horns of the altar, so to speak, for their families, when they pass onto the presence of the Lord. What is going to happen? You're here for a reason to make a difference even in that. And we should not take this defeatist attitude that says, well, I suppose if I can't do anything else, the least, at least I can pray. No, prayer is the most that you can do. Prayer is the priority, the first priority of what needs to take place. Because apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. And nothing happens except from prayer. The knees are the, one of the most important parts of the body of Christ. We need those who have a real, serious ministry of intercession. And I recognize that all of us can pray, all of us can be a part of that, but there are those that God has put upon you and called you to a serious ministry of intercession, uh, prayer warriors. And I hope that in the near future here, we're going to be talking about some more things that are coming up, and next week even more so, about giving an opportunity for intercessory ministry to take place on a Sunday morning in a way that has been different than what we're doing now. Let's not think that all we have to do, though, is we all just should do is just pray, pray in our closet alone. We should be praying with others, praying not only with others, but having others pray with us, helping them to know how they can intercede, passing that baton of being an intercessor. More than that, there are so many different things at different levels that we can do even outside of the walls of the church that can be something done. And even those who are confined, like I said, uh, shut in, those who are confined to their own walls at, at home. I, I've known a, a number of ladies through the years, including I think of a couple of ladies back at Dubois, who they, they really love the Lord and really want to be there, but there's no way they can be. You know what? They're not just sitting around waiting on the bus. And they're not just saying, well, at least I'm praying. I remember this one lady used to be, uh, or she was a pastor's wife. Her husband passed away long ago. But you know what? She's on the phone constantly. Calling up people, just checking on them. How you doing? What are you doing? How can I pray for you? 
and not just a bunch of her old lady friends. You know, it's not a little club she's got. She's calling the young people. She's seeing people that are on the prayer sheet and what's going on. We have a prayer list and prayer sheets. And she's calling them up and following them up and praying with them. She's sending people who are getting cards from her, not only for birthdays, but so many other things. And they're not just like these little cards. Hey, have a happy birthday. But there are significant things written in there of encouragement and, and words that are said. She has a ministry even from her chair. She is making a difference. So let none of us say we can't make a difference. We are enough. Let us not give up. Don't sit down. Find where you fit in service to the king. And remember what what he has called us to do. Philippians chapter 3 verse 13 and 14. Brothers and sisters... I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let's not quit. We don't quit. We don't stop until we cross the finish line, until we get heavenward. There is no retirement in the kingdom of God. There is only promotion. A promotion up to Him. No matter what age you are here today, He has called us to run the race and to keep running, to make a difference. Not just, oh, it doesn't mean I should just keep being a Christian. We're here for a reason. There's a purpose, a plan. He has created us for good works. Ephesians tells us, let us not quit, but to keep running the race and not stop the excuse with, I am not enough. I'm not young enough. But you know what? There's another one. I am not old enough. We can flip it to the other side. Paul, in talking to Timothy, challenged him about those who would say he's too young. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers. For all believers, you who are young, set the example. When children and youth come to Christ as Savior and Lord, they not only become a part of the family of God, and all of us would agree with that. A child comes to know Christ, they're part of the family of God. But guess what? They're also a part of the body of Christ. Yet all too often what churches do is communicate to young people that they need to wait until they're 18 to serve into his army. Wait until they're 18, then you can be a part of the army, except that Satan doesn't go by that age limit, does he? His army starts attacking them way before that. I've actually heard thinking when they would say that when they're young, they should be a, you know, maybe a part of a class somewhere, or up, you know, let's keep them upstairs, uh, quietly be seen and not heard, Uh, just grow up, which means that they're never a part of the church. Rather, they just go to church. It's an activity. And and that's what's happened. It's just something that you do. It's an activity you do. It's not a part of who you are in Christ, which means it's so much easier then for young adults, as they're doing across the board in churches, to leave church and never come back. Not because necessarily something happened, but because they were never there to begin with, so to speak. 
That doesn't make it right for what, what's happening in that sense. But for us to understand, there's a place that God has for young people to make a difference. I've even heard leaders had said church in the past, you know, the, the youth and the, and the children need to just be receiving. They should not be expected to give anything. We need to just let kids be kids. But do we see where that kind of worldly attitude has gotten our society today? This entitlement generation that expects things just to be given to them and no expectation to be put upon them? What are we training children up to be? It's not disciples if that's our thinking. We expect them to act like Christians with good behavior, but we do not expect them to do good works. Why? We should be expecting. Jesus does. James chapter 2, 14 through 18 talks about that where is your faith? Do you have faith? Then show it by your works. It should be action that takes place. We know that. We are here, but do you realize that he's saying that not just to those who are over 18. He is saying that to everyone who is in Christ. The word applies to all of us at all times. Those who are younger are not the future of the church. They are the church today. They are not given a mini junior Holy Spirit when they come to Christ. Right? They receive the same Holy Spirit that all of us receive. They receive the fruit of the Spirit. They receive the gifts of the Spirit. Now, I know, obviously, there is a difference in maturity and experience. And I'm pretty sure when the nominating committee meets here this week, pray for us, when the nominating committee meets, that there will not be nominated a five-year-old boy for elder. Okay? Uh, We recognize that. That, that. That probably is something that's not going to happen because there is that sense of maturity experience. But I want you to understand that there is not a difference in the power of God that can work in that five-year-old boy than the power of God that can work in me. There is no difference because it has nothing to do with me or him. Let's face it. There are those who are younger that have greater faith than those who are older. Greater, pure faith. There are those who would say, like Moses, I am not enough. On so many levels, we talked about the the couple there, but you know, here's another one. I am not enough. I am not spiritual enough to serve the Lord. What do you mean spiritual? Define that. Do you you have the Holy Spirit? Are you a believer, first of all? If If you are a believer, do you have the Holy Spirit? Are you following Jesus? Is there a spiritual problem because you're living in willful, defiant sin and you're walking away from God? No, you're not living defiantly, walking away from God? Okay, then guess what? You are spiritual. Because you've got the spirit. Yeah, yeah, but but pastor, I'm not as spiritual as, whoa, stop right there. That next word, that name that you better be putting in there better be Jesus. 
I am not as spiritual as Jesus. Yes, you are not, and neither am I, and I can point to a whole bunch of other people I know already. Right? But we are pressing forward in that direction. Moses, think about it. We're talking about him. God calls him to make a difference, but Moses already tried that before, didn't he? Moses is saying, I am not enough to do this. One of the reasons he says that is because I already tried, God. I already tried to do this. I already stepped up. I already wanted to help set the people free. And instead, what took place was he became a murderous failure and had to flee the country. And now you're asking me to go be the deliverer? Yes. I'm not enough. No. You're missing it. If we put ourselves under the same microscope that some do about being spiritual enough, then there is no one qualified. In fact, uh, we have a video we want to show you about kind of the flaws of biblical proportion. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it before, but it, it, it's a, looking for a particular, I think in this case, a, uh, a small group leader of some kind. But, you know, looking for that perfect one, looking for that one that's qualified, looking for that one that is enough. So let's go ahead and and watch this. All right, next up, um, King David. Thanks for coming, King David. What qualifies you to be our next small group leader? What was that word you used uh, before my name? Uh, King. Yeah, King, right. How many of those am I up against? My strengths. Uh, Plagues. I'm pretty good with the staff. Can't decide who gets the last brownie? Cut it in two. Boom. Wisdom. Um, Party large bodies of water. Desert survival skills. Weaknesses. <laughs> Weaknesses. Mountain climbing. Um, commandment retrieval. Does that look weak to you? And I can make a pretty mean goat sausage. Okay, I mean, maybe haircuts. Women. Whose isn't? <laughs> So I lied. I said my wife was my sister. They were going to kill me. (laughs) Why are we even getting into this? I'm just not sure we're comfortable with you in a leadership position. Look, Jesus Christ himself called you Satan. He was trying to make a point. Get thee behind me, Satan. I believe is the exact quote. Bathsheba. I knew you were going to go there. It was a rock to the back of the head. I really regret that it happened. And that's when you slept with the maid? My wife said she was fine with it. Abraham. What? Come on. Okay, timeline. Um, first I slept with his wife. No, 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 no. I didn't kill Christians. Then I lied to him. I was just watching people's coats. Then I had him killed, okay? They killed Christians. It's a long time ago. Besides, that was a different guy. That was Saul. <laughs> I've ever killed anyone. What? You got somebody giving you beef? Huh? You need some taken care of? Where's the app? Yo, bring it, huh? Didn't you deny Christ three times? No. I'm pretty sure you did. No. Yeah, I'm almost positive. Uh, no. Okay, I did. Oh, never killed anyone. Why would you even ask that question? This is the guy. Hold on, I... I mean, I do have some questions about my qualifications. I've never been to seminary. Oh, you'll do fine. I really don't have a whole lot of experience. Do you love God? Yeah. Do you want to help people? 
Sure. Do you have a harem? No, I don't have a harem. <laughs> All right, we're good then. Thank you. Well, let, me, let me think about this first. <laughs> oh, 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 got her. Look who has them. Still got the tablets. Who hasn't messed up? Who hasn't made mistakes? Who among us is perfect? We are forgiven and free. Yesterday ended last night. Let us not live in the darkness of our past, but rather let us live in light of God's future that he has for you. To make a difference. Now, now, let's just be real about this stuff for a second, though. You can say that, and it sounds good, and it is, and we can amen it, and it is amen, but let's just be real about it, because I realize that there are times where there are some consequences in our present that we have to live with that are a result of our past, in this world, at least. Some things that may even disqualify us for certain things, but that doesn't mean that we are unqualified for all things. We still can serve the Lord. There may be something, as there is in a lot of different places, that, that you, somebody's convicted of something that, by law, they're not allowed to do this. Is there consequences that do happen? But that doesn't mean that you can't do something to make a difference. Our past at times may alter our path. Our past may alter our path, but it does not have to prevent us from pressing forward and serving the Lord. Except when it's not really our past. You know, there are some people talk about, oh... You know, people are just, they're not letting me live down my past. I'm I'm being judged on my past. And yet the reality is I've met people that it's not your past. It's still your present. You're still living that way in your present. The problems are continuing. And you're not turning away from them and turning towards God. Sure, sure. Constantly asking forgiveness. But we're not forsaking the sin. We're not, as that message a a while ago, we're not turning away from this, the wrong direction we're heading and turning in the right direction towards the cross. It's only then that your past will actually be your past. For some of you, your past is still your present And it's time to turn it around. That God wants to make a difference in you so that you can make a difference in others. Stop believing the excuse that I I am not enough. That who I am is not enough. It's one thing to stop believing I'm not enough. But what do we need to start believing? What do we need to start believing? I mean, I'm not talented enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not 
good enough. I'm not... And the temptation is for... Like happens even within the church, the temptation is for me to just come to you and say, that's just not true about you. It's not true. You are enough. You know, the temptation is to come to each... And I, and I know, I at least somewhat know, a number of you. And you are more than enough for God to use you in some amazing ways. In fact, uh, even those that I, I don't know fully, just I've kind of heard a story here or there, I think about the great potential that exists here at OCCA. Amazing potential to make a difference, not just in our community, but all across this world. But you know what? It, it really doesn't matter if I would come and just try to tell you, you know what, you are enough. Stop thinking that bad thought. You know, you need to start realizing that you're more than this and try to pump you up. You know what? That doesn't work. It doesn't work because you're going to hit a rough spot where it's not going to matter what the pastor said to you or anybody else said to you, right? You're going to believe what you believe. You have people talk to you till they're blue in the face about how great you are and I'm still terrible. I'm not enough. So that doesn't really... That's not really the answer. That doesn't mean that you don't need encourage, but that's not the answer. And that wasn't the answer for Moses. God did not say, Moses, Moses, oh, come on. Get hold of yourself, man. You're great. You're amazing. Look at what you've been shepherding those sheep out there in the wilderness as he's talking to him from the burning bush. Moses, the way you handle that staff, you know, I don't know what he would say. Nowhere right here in what we're reading in Exodus 3 is God come back to Moses and pump him up about how great he is. Instead, what does God say? Look at verse 12. Uh, Actually, Moses in verse 11. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And here's God's response. Moses saying, who am I? He's questioning himself, his person. I am not enough. I am not good enough to do this. And what does God say? I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses goes on and he asks, well, who do I say? Who do I say he sent me? Who do I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say, Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So what we need to stop doing Stop believing that I'm not enough. But what we need to start doing is to believe that I am is enough. That I am is enough. That God is enough. That He will be with you. In fact, to Moses, He says, I want you to go. Remember earlier, we just read where He talks about, He says to Moses in in, uh, verse 10, I'm go, I'm sending you to Go and deliver my people, out, Israelites, out of Egypt. But that's not really where it is because in verse 8, earlier, God says, I have come down to rescue from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land into the good and spacious land. 
Moses, you're just along. You're a part of this, that you can make a difference. But guess what? It is I who have come down to rescue them. Ultimately, Moses is not the rescuer. Moses is ultimately not the deliverer. God is the one who does it. And whatever it is and whatever task God has called you, whatever task you enter into, you don't have to wait and sit around and wait for him to give you some sign. Just do it. Step up and serve. Make a difference in lives around you. And to recognize that it doesn't have anything to do with who you are or what you can do. It's not about whether you are smart enough because God is. It doesn't matter whether you are strong enough because God is. It doesn't matter whether you are talented enough because God is. I am is enough. That's all that counts. That's all that matters. That's what he was saying to Moses. Focus not on yourself. Get your eyes off yourself and what you are not and get your eyes focused on me and who I am and what I can do. And when we have our eyes set on Him and what He can do, you realize that you can do anything. In fact, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There is nothing I can't do. So as we look at this response to this message today, we need to do something about it. We've been talking about stepping up and serving. And it'd be easy to say, yeah, I'm going to do something about that. I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a, a practical way to respond. Everybody should have gotten one of these. And in fact, the ushers are ready. If you did not get one for you to be able to put your hand up, and they will get to you to get one. All right, there are a few. He's getting them right now. Oh, my, look at all those hands. All right. See, there they are. Ready? Just hold your hands up if you do not get one of these. Everyone to get one of those. As they are passing them out, let me just... uh, Let you know that what we're going to do is this is a a talent survey and kind of a gift, a, a talent, a ministry survey. There are all kinds of things in here, like... You know, sometimes we think it's all about teaching, but there's a place in there about doing meals, you know, uh, food preparation, you know, whether it's for a funeral dinner or food preparation for those in, uh, in other ways that you can see. Hospitality, guest and helping, transportation, all kinds of things. Uh, you know, I've done not just funeral dinners, new mothers, illnesses or surgery or special activities, things going on. Well, that's a way to make a difference, but we don't realize that. It's not just uh, the teaching. Even the, what you see, the, the teachers or leaders on Sunday morning, we'll talk more about that next week and what, uh, what is coming up and things like that. But there's just a number of areas. So here's what we're going to do. We have some time. I'm going to stop, so to speak, preaching and give you the opportunity to respond. And so grab a pen, pencil, somewhere right there. There should be some in the the pews, in the uh, chairs. Uh, Ask somebody to pass one down to you if you need one from another place along the way there. And just start, go ahead. You know, put your name, email, phone number. If you don't have an email, you can put the address or something like that, telephone, so we have a way. Now, please know when you fill this out, it doesn't mean that next week somebody's calling you and you're going to have to be doing something. 
That may not be the way it works. In fact, it's going to take a while to process this and find some way to help. Part of it is just you doing it and recognizing, you know what, I have done this, or I am good at this. How can I use that for God? How can I use this uh, ability uh, with uh, sewing skills? Well, there's some that just did that. Uh, they made some blankets, and Michelle just took them. How many blankets do we have, Michelle? Eighteen. Eighteen blankets that she was able to take that different people use this sewing to make a difference in lives that were given uh, to families, uh, needy families in, the, in this area here. Uh, there are all kinds of things. You'll notice in that one part that circle is you check if you've been involved before, if you've done this before in some way, and the square is, hey, I, I would like to. I would like to, and it may be that you'll have a circle and a square checked, or maybe just a circle, maybe just a square. But just going through that. I ask that the worship team would come. As the worship team comes, we're going to have them lead us in a song as we respond by bringing your surveys forward before the Lord as an offering. Yes, go ahead as the worship team comes. Father, we pray right now, we want to bring before you an offering of our lives, of what we've done and what we can do. We want to bring before you and say, Lord, we want to make a difference for your kingdom. We want to build your kingdom. We want to see it here. We want to see it there we want to see it everywhere and for us to be a part of that set us free from the excuses and the the voices that tell us that we are not enough and for us to recognize you are enough you are all we need to accomplish all that you want whether it seems on a big or small scale it does not matter to you it's all small compared to what you can do Help us, Lord, even now as we bring these before you. In Jesus' name.